Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. And tonight, so you want to start a breeding project, huh? That's what you think, huh? <laughs> I, Are you sure? I, 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 <laughs> you sure about this? I told the uh, title. I read the title out loud at the office today when I was when I got the email for the invite. And Dad's like, "You guys want to start harems?" And I'm like, "No, no, uh, just no." So you know, it's. It, but yeah, it, and I'm like, Eric is trying to get creative with his, you know, so you want to start a breeding program? And it's like, all right, well, <laughs> well good question. <laughs> I was thinking about, so it was going to be me and you tonight. And um, right. I was like, well, let's let's pick a topic and let's try to hit on the topic rather than, uh, you know, I mean, we'll just ramble at some point a little bit. But of course, um, <laughs> see how far off um, topic we can get. Yeah. But I thought we would be discussing the details of, you know, what it would be to start a, a, a breeding project and what are some of the right. things, you know, like some new people out there maybe may not know where to start or, you know, I don't know about you, but I made tons of mistakes mm-hmm. doing this, um, you know, <laughs> <So many. laughs> reptile ADD and like, I want one of these and one of these and one of these. Oh my God. <laughs> and then you're oh, like, we- uh, I did I didn't think about this. <laughs> I was like, how many how many projects have you started and then immediately been like uh screw these things and then like ditched in like let's say two months? Um I would say that that list is a little bit shorter because usually I you give usually it a bit longer. have I uh, yeah, I have a problem letting go of a project um until somebody wants to either buy it or somebody right. contact me about it or right. I give it to you. <laughs> one of those options. Either one. I mean, those are all yeah. good options in my opinion, but, um, I, I, but yeah. And, and I feel the same way. There have been animals that I, the projects that I've jumped into and realized they're not for me and bailed, which, you know, it's easy for us being plugged in as we are and knowing mm-hmm. the people that we know, but it might be a little bit harder for people who maybe aren't as involved as us or don't have as big of collections. Like we both have rooms full of cages. <laughs> like yeah. it's yeah. really easy to accommodate a new snake after it clears quarantine. I have a place for it to go. If you're a small timekeeper and you're just doing tanks, you may have to invest in a lot in that kind of stuff if you want a new project. So Yeah. I mean, tonight we're going to be probably really gearing it towards, you know, pythons, Morelia, snakes. Um, but really, you could apply these ideas to anything that you really wanted to to breed. Um, you know, I mean, I guess I guess you could apply it to, you know, turtles and, Emu. Stuff and yeah. you know, lizards and stuff like that if you really wanted to. I mean, the ideas yeah. are probably going to be the same, but, um, you know, um, so... First, before we get before we get rolling, let's let's get the uh, the beginning stuff out of the way. Uh, well, <laughs> let's let's get this out of the way. Rip this band yeah. off. <laughs> right. So I want to I want to throw a uh, happy birthday shout out to uh, longtime listener Brian Holt. Uh, happy birthday, man! Um, and uh, 
Let's see. What else? So this weekend we had like our little mini carpet fest. It was pretty cool. We uh, <laughs> we we had a meeting. We had a meeting of podcasts. There was us. Yes. There was uh, from the ground up, and there was uh, Water Bulls Unlimited. So it was yes. all three of us and all and all three shows in one place. And you yeah. know it was it was good. Good time. You know. You know the water ball. Guy, he got a little feisty. You know, but he yeah, is always you know. feisty. <laughs> he's fired up. I mean, you know he's. Gave, Matt gave me a poster from Carpet Fest 7 that he found in the back of his car. I'm like, yay? <laughs> like, how, how long have you had this? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's always cool to, uh, so that was, well, I mean, we've met uh, Joe and Melissa from the Ground Up uh, podcast before in Texas, but uh, it was the first time that they actually got, well, they they came and saw your collection like maybe, what, a month ago or so? Yeah. Is it bad that I don't remember meeting Joe and Melissa in Texas? Was I that hammered? Yeah, you were pretty hammered. Uh, They spent a lot of time in the hot tub, man. They were a lot of time in the hot tub, so maybe that's why you were uh, Uh, somewhere else. I should should think about that. (laughs) Yeah, we should should revisit this later. Anyway, um, but yeah, they they came up here about a month ago and checked out my stuff, um, and then they kind of planned it because you and Matt are close enough to each other mm-hmm. that it was yep. like they were going to swing by mats and then swing by your place on the back end and see that. So, yeah. 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 So it was cool. We got to hang out with them. Then we went and grabbed some food and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, it was awesome hanging out with them and, you know, uh, it's always good hanging out with you and Matt, but you know, <laughs> we, now we got two more to add to the, to the clan. <laughs> so. Yeah, I know. And we, 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 we hit a restaurant it was right on the corner where I nearly died a couple months ago. So it was like, yeah, no, that was pretty crazy. Yay! <laughs> Owen's having post-traumatic stress syndrome. A little bit. It was a little bit PTSD. Oh, like, I was oh, a little bit oh twitchy going through that intersection. Yeah, but um, but no, it was really cool because it was. A, I mean, we, we sat down at the Italian joint and or we got pizza and wings and stuff, and then we pretty much like stayed there after we were done eating and just kept talking and. You know, yeah. we're, we're talking ideas for shows. We're talking snakes. You and Joe and Matt degraded into some sort of, you know, where did you perform music in Philadelphia thing? And I'm like, I never went to any of these places. I walked by them, maybe. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it was like that. Yeah. It was um, it was a lot of stuff. And then, I mean, you and Joe were going through your book collection. And I keep forgetting how extensive that thing is and mm-hmm. all the stuff that you got there. Um and I might do your complete boa constrictor just to sell it on eBay, but that's not. I know that might there. pay for my trip to Australia. Yeah, dear God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to. Uh, well, it's in perfect condition that, too. That, I don't even. Your, I, I read it once. <laughs> that's your retirement right there on that book. It's like right there. Wait a couple more years. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, I always. I, I don't think I showed this at Carpet Fest, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you've seen it before, but I have like these binders that, that sit on the <laughs> bottom shelf of my one bookshelf. And I was like, uh, hold on a minute, Joe. Let me let me show you something a little crazy about <sighs> how crazy I am. I pulled out like every scientific paper that's ever been written on carpet pythons is in one no, book. That, and no, like that's a saint that that's the same binder. That is the anybody should have that binder. The next yeah. binder where you went through and printed out everybody's websites from like the early 2000s, like page for page. Anthony Caponetto's, Will Leary's, Will Leary's, 
many pages Andrew of Hairs. Andrew yeah. Hairs. I'm like, dear yeah. God. <laughs> Which you can't like, find that anymore. So I'm I like, know I, you I'm can't. I know. I know, so. I know. And I know one day all of that information will become totally handy, and it probably already has a million times over. Sure. Still, it's funny. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it is. It's you know, just I, funny. It is definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, the old post. Yeah. Well, actually, you oh, know what's there. pretty cool? <laughs> yeah, I do. I have a bunch of old posts uh, in in this one binder that's kind of like the MP binder. And uh, what's pretty cool about that is like that section of time is is gone from that forum. So it's it's kind of archived in that book. So <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Imagine years from now, we're like man. we must. <laughs> you- Years from now, we'll be like, we must go to the carpet historian. You'll come out from like a back room yeah. with a very long beard, put the book <laughs> down, flip it, be like, yeah. MP says, and like, you know, yeah. yeah. I'll have like one of those little desks with a candle. And the- yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, little half moon spectacles that you'll put on that'll have a chain. Uh, which is even funnier because somebody asked to see, somebody said, check this out or look at this or something. I showed you and something I, and you were like, I yeah. can't, like, you want me to hold it over here? He's like, it's better. Better. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. I had to pull out the old man glasses, and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> around all these you young got, people. God you <laughs> and Mike Curtin, if I show you snakes, I have to wait for you guys to put on your librarian glasses to check mm-hmm. it out with me. You know, Getting even Balin, too. I have to wait for all of you guys to put on glasses now. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Good times. Wait, give it 10 years, man. I was telling you no. guys, it's like, it's like flipping a switch, man. Like one day I woke up and I'm like, man, it's like it's so dark. No, I can't like read this shit anymore. Like what the hell? And I'm holding it far away. And then Dory's like, you know, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you try these on? And I try them on, and I'm like, oh my god, I haven't been able to see for so long. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you've seen, you've seen the old like it's Robin Hood men in tights where the blind guy falls out of the tree and he gets up. He's like, I can see, and then he runs into a tree. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Yeah, it's about right. So, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how's the breeding season going? I got that's eggs. I, I got I eggs, eggs on the ground, dude. It's um, it was uh this, this snake is uh it's Trinity. She is a. Uh, 2007 coastal she's the lesser tiger from ted thompson that we aren't allowed to call her a lesser tiger anymore um but Mm. uh she's a coastal girl i've bred her numerous times um she's Mm -hmm. echo's mom okay um and then i bred her back to talon this year i wasn't going to breed her this year because i'm kind of trying to you know it's it's not that she's i I know with the original post some people kind of giving me some shit saying that she's only 12 years old she's not an old snake because i said i might not breed her again but i also have like kids and grandkids breeding, and i don't want to make same shit so i wasn't <laughs> gonna i wasn't gonna breed her this year but her one mm-hmm. daughter like was not having breeding season this year so i'm like screw it and she ovulated like i i've never been able to catch an ovulation but she got freaking huge so i'm like screw it so i threw talon in there and i got eggs and normally her like magic number has always been like 32 like every mm-hmm. one of her clutches has been 32 like maybe okay. she'll give me like 30 good eggs and two slugs but it's always been 32 wow so, and she Holy had shit i know <laughs> it's normal 
normal, normal for rogue animals. I mean, yeah. I don't know why you're so flabbergasted. Um, she I shouldn't be shocked at this point. Shouldn't be. I don't know what we're doing here. She gave me 13 good eggs and 17 slugs. So, okay, yeah, kind of on the fence, but you know, they're they're. She did a good job. She had them all wrapped up until I took them from her um, and put them in the incubator. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. Okay. Slid that knife in there, didn't I? Um, but it's, you did. Uh, I, I, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but now they're cooking, and then now we're just waiting. Um, it, I, I'm waiting to see what would happen because the Woma was technically supposed to lay eggs before her, but mm-hmm. the Woma didn't. But okay. the drop dead date for the Woma is Saturday. So we'll see. And then, uh, dude, it's like rapid fire. I got one or two a week that have their due dates. Basically, it's either there's going to be eggs or there's going to be nothing. So uh-huh. that's where we're at. Um, okay. And then the female white lip chased the male out of the hide box where they've kind of been like hanging out for the past couple of weeks. So I don't know what that right. means. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> No idea. Um, so yeah. So I got. I have. I have eggs. If anything, I will create thirteen of the same clutch I was breeding back in two thousand and ten. Like you know. All right. Whatever. So. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> and the colubrids, how they they're staring at me. They they're doing right. nothing. They're just eyeing me up. It's like the corn snakes. Uh, met Joe and they were like, why are we with this asshole? Why can't you sell us to those people? (laughs) Like they know what they're doing with corn snakes. You just dumb. So it's, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, it's still a little early for them. Uh, I do, I'm going to try to separate them feed again and put them back together and see what happens. Um, and we'll see, you know, if, if nothing works out for them this year, I'm really not going to be too bent out of shape because there's always next year. Um, yeah, Just I'm about to going. talk about this snake because I've never seen this before, and I it popped up on the uh, actually the Herp, Herpticulture podcast shared this photo, but you mm-hmm. tell me if you've ever seen this. Um, it's an eastern garter snake, but holy shit! It's a pretty one. It's a, no one. It's a red face. Yeah, I, I've never Is seen it, but I've heard of it. Is that normal? Holy shit, that thing is crazy. <laughs> Hell if I freaking know. Um, I know there are red garter snakes, but I thought those were the... San Francisco? Like what? Yeah, so... Yeah, hmm. I, doesn't put, doesn't, it looks like a garter snake, I'll tell you that much. But, no, that's cool looking. Yeah, garter snakes don't do it for you. Never see yourself no, going to the do, garter no, no, they do nothing. <laughs> Nothing. It's the fish, the smell, what? what, what it's the it? fish, it's the fish, it's the smell, it's the I have to breed them by throwing one female in with like 20 males. It's like, no, I'm not going to do a breeding ball in my room, okay? Just, no. Right. Plus, I find them all the time outside. So it's like, I, I, I wouldn't really want to be that, like, look, you could have this thing that's outdoors, or you could have this. But then also I catch black rat snakes and I have those, but mine are pretty. So right. I don't know where I'm going with this, but, um, <laughs> no, well, fair enough. No, I've they just, just never do nothing. seen anything like that. Yeah. Well, they're, they're gorgeous. And I mean, I've seen the San Francisco ones and San Francisco ones are pretty, but I can't, Yeah, they just do nothing. Nah. So they got a little bit of a, 
like usually what I don't like, like the one thing that I, I don't, it's not that I don't like it, but like with King snakes, they seem to have like a short, shorter head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like there's no neck or anything. Like that's kind of <laughs> why I like pythons. You see like they're that like you, indent, you know, it's you like their jaws and the head and neck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, mean, I, I don't I don't want to, and you can kind of see it on that, so that's why I was kind of like, oh, okay, it's not well, quite as kind bad. Of see with the, you can kind of see with king snakes if they're not like sitting flat or laying down. I mean, maybe I just hooked at fat king snakes or something. Exactly, you know. I mean, <laughs> the other thing is like, you know, you want to see a tube? Look at a look at a really fat hog nose. It's like, goddamn. Um, right. But there's 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 all the different kind of shapes to call your bread and all of this stuff. I mean. I was oh, yeah. I moved the I moved the rhinos to bigger caging because they outgrew their cages. Which you know I'm talking to Matt who is siblings of uh, my rhinos and he's talking about how tiny they are and I'm like oh crap like another snake species I've screwed up by feeding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you sent you sent a snake back stop, this weekend. <laughs> I have to tell the story. All so, right, go ahead. <laughs> you're, you're like trying to make room for projects and trim the fat, if you will, or whatever. And um, so there's you bring this jag in, and I'm like, oh, what's that? And you're like, oh yeah, that's that from that ocelot jag clutch head albino. Yeah. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, holy hell, man! It's almost it's bigger than the you mom. show it. You show me its mother, and it's bigger <laughs> than its mother. I'm like, good God. Oh. God damn it. And I tried to uh, be conservative with feeding. <laughs> oh, that's conservative. <laughs> now, that is conservative. It's conservative in my book. I'm looking yeah. at all these animals. I'm like, crap. You know. And then we see your your exantic jag is the father of my exantic jag. They're about the same size. I mean, one just looks more mature than the other. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. Nick's proven breeder. And I was like, well, yeah, this, yeah. this is Nick's proven breeder. Um, yeah, he's tiny. Yep. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. God. What are you going to do? Nothing. So, I'm going to do nothing. Uh, I'm going to keep having yeah. clutches of 30-something. So Yeah, go for it. Well, that's uh, that'll tie into our talk tonight. You know? <laughs> I mean, some of, some of, that's some of the things you got to think about, but... Uh, Yep. Uh, as far as me, I'm just waiting on the uh, on a clutch. There was a couple um, uh, that I just <laughs> just to show you. I remember I was I pulled out this caramel head albino, and I'm like, "You think?" And she's like, "You think that something's going on?" You're like, "Yeah, I kind of feel something. She might be growing, you know." So I'm like, "Yeah." I, I take the male out of like a boy out of like a five. Like of, it's like I'm like what. <laughs> I'm like, here you go. <laughs> He's I'm like, are you, like, yeah. Are you gonna feed that to her? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, maybe seven hundred grams, six, seven hundred grams, something like that. So this is but, why this is why I should really because it's like a yearling, right? No, okay. this is why I keep getting into trouble. Yeah, uh, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so, uh, let's see. So, yeah, I'm just waiting on. Uh, I got the that one. The the one. If I get one clutch, I'll be happy mm. with the. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I know, right? Uh, one know, clutch. You still have a tower of babies. Like you still have a lot of babies from last year. 
Yeah, and that'll tie into our talk tonight as well. You know, um, yes. that's something that you have to sort of think about and, you know, and things like that. So um, let's see. So how do we want to start this? So I say <laughs> I'm going to say step one. So you want to okay. you want to get into a breeding project. Um, yes. And, you know, I'm going to assume just for sake of argument that, you know, what you want to get into breeding. Right. I, I think the okay. very first step you should do is research uh, books. Yes. Uh, research papers, um, forums, Facebook groups, et cetera, anything where YouTube videos, um, something. Yeah. Yeah. Anything like that. You know, for me, I'm, I'm personally, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to this stuff. And part of the fun for me is learning the natural history, obviously, because we talk about the binders in the bottom. Um, <laughs> you can also but, print out websites and just keep them. Yeah, <laughs> you could do that as well. Um, but I just try to collect as much information as I possibly can and try to take, you know, any little thing that is just information. It, and I may never use it. I may use it somewhere down the line or whatever, but I'm just trying to understand what makes this species tick. I think, I think you, you know, if you take the time to, you know, read a book or, you know, a scientific paper about, um, what these animals are doing in the wild um, or, you know, what they're eating or where they're found or where they're found at different times of the year. Um, I think, you know, there's a, there's definitely a difference that happens between, you know, wild animals and captive animals. Um, but there's some things that are just sort of hardwired in, in them. Um, so you can sort of understand, you know, certain conditions that they might go through seasonal conditions. Um, you know, it could help, you know, when you're trying to understand um, breeding a species and trying to figure out what it needs to breed, like how, how mm. cold do you have to get it? Does it need to be cold? Does it need to be, you know, stay at a steady temperature? Where is it found? What's the weather like? And although you can pull up like weather apps and stuff like that, you got to be careful with that kind of stuff because, I think sometimes, you know, there's micro habitats within the actual habitat. And a lot of times, mm -hmm. you know, they're taking temperature readings from, you know, like towers and, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's in like the major city area or whatever of certain spots. And, you know, sometimes that might not necessarily <clears throat> equate to uh, what the animal is actually doing. And it might be hot, but they may not be out all, you know, during the day. I think, I think the greatest saying I ever heard was, you know, there's uh, rattlesnakes out West that in their environment, um, you know, uh, it, sometimes it snows. That doesn't mean that when it snows, you shovel snow into their cage. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> that was a Terry Phillip uh, is a man. Yeah. And, that, and, I remember that one. I like, Don't that. do that. I'm like, yeah. All right. But it snows there. <laughs> but it snows there. That um, doesn't mean you do it. It's always the, um, and I have that conversation with vets all the time because every time I take a snake to the vet, they're like, do you mist every day? And I'm like, no, and you should stop telling people to do that. And they're like, why? I'm like, it doesn't rain every freaking day. It's like, stop it. So right. you got to take that stuff into account. Yeah, and I mean, that could be, uh, you know, I'm thinking of if you didn't know anything about carpet pythons, and let's just say that you had them and you went to try to breed them 
and let's say that you had diamond pythons and you had Darwin carpet pythons, oh, you know, Lord. there's, there's different strategies in how you would approach that. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, one of them, the Darwin carpet is a, is a, is a winter breeder, which they breed during the winter and the diamond python is a spring breeder. So they breed during the spring. So, you know, you could be putting animals together and, um, you're not going to see anything because you're not really understanding uh, what they do in the wild. So, um, and that could lead to slugs or maybe not getting anything at all, or mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's hit or miss or anything like that. So I, I, to me, I, I think that's where everybody should start, you know, grab a book. I mean, there's the complete carpet Python. There's a couple other books on carpet pythons. Um, you know, there's, t- I mean, Google Scholar, you know, just go mm-hmm. there and put in Morelia Spilota. Uh, tons of papers will come up. Um, you know, most of them written by Richard Shine, but like, you know, it will just give you information about, you know, I love talking to guys like Scott, you know, that are actually in the environment, you know, and, and they can tell you like where they find these animals and what they're doing when they find them, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's some of the advantages of social media these days is we can talk to people all around the world and really get uh, a feel for, you know, what's going on. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about that? Well, well it's almost like <laughs> if, if say, if you're just kind of getting into the snakes, like if you've never actually kept a reptile before, yeah, you know, obviously you want to start dipping a pinky toe in. You don't want to be one of those people that hears about this and then immediately goes from zero to 12 animals because then if something goes wrong, many, many things will go wrong. So again, for the sake of argument, we're going to assume that you already are somewhat of a knowledgeable reptile keeper. And this is now you're just either looking for a new project or you're looking to, you know, expand and actually start breeding as opposed to maybe just having a few pets. So I would say if it's an entirely new species where I keep making mistakes is I go and I get a pair and then I realize that I don't like them. And then I have like two of them. So maybe get one and then see where you're at. And I would always say start with a female. I would agree. You know, um, females, you typically, um, again, so we're just going to apply this to uh, carpet pythons, green tree, moralia, probably really applies to most pythons, but mm-hmm. females usually take a little longer to mature uh, yeah. than males. Um, so you could have an extra year uh, to find out if you really like the species or not uh, before you go and pull the trigger on a pair. Um, so that's definitely, um, you know, good, a good way of looking at it, you know, and yeah. it's, you know, I've made this mistake. I know you've done this as well, but like, um, you know, it, it, it becomes especially challenging if it's a species that hasn't really been bred. Um, true, true. You know, uh, it typically in those circumstances, you're dealing with, you know, either wild caught animals or captive hatched animals, um, which, you know, it's not impossible, but I don't know if you want to necessarily start if you have no experience uh, breeding. <laughs> you know, I, I right. don't know if I would, uh, you know, go right straight for white lip pythons um, if if I have no experience breeding. <laughs> you know? Right. 
it, it, it should be one of those things of like, but then there's the other hand of that. If you are really interested in this species and a couple of captive hatched pop up, you know, don't just try to get one. That might be a once in a lifetime kind of a thingy there, but um, obviously, you know, it, it's not going to kill you to, to wait. You know, you get the one and then you take the year and let's say at the end of the year, you've been dealing with this one girl and you've been growing her up and you find out she's a freaking pain in the ass and you really are just totally done with it. Now you can possibly sell a one-year-old that's been in your hands for a year and has shown this, 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 and this. And then you just, it might actually be more marketable for somebody else. So it's not like there's, there's never going to not be a market for a lone female. I'll tell you that much. So you might right. not have to sit on it until it sells. So, right. But yeah, I mean, we, we, you and I have both done that where we've been like, this thing's so cool, or this thing's kind of like the animals that I have and the, and the animals I have are really cool. So these things are like sister species. So they're just going to be even like just as cool. And then like a couple months later, you're like, yeah, they're not, they're really not as cool. <laughs> so, or they're, I don't, I'm not, I, I hate these things. So then like, yeah, it's, that happens. Yeah, but and it's not to say I'm not I'm I'm not by any stretch of the means saying that if you are a first time breeder that you know maybe the advantages of working with something like say white lip pythons is is that you have no preconceived notions of what they <laughs> should be. You know what I mean? How a normal python <laughs> is? Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that sometimes could work to your advantage, but I would say for the most part, um, I would try to you know, uh, at least keep it because, you know, one of the things that i found is like, we can talk all day about keeping certain animals and how they should be kept. And you get a basic outline for things, but I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's certain animals mm -hmm. like individual animals. Like I think a lot of times, you know, if you're looking at a care sheet or something like that, you're, you're not paying attention to the individual animal. And I say this all the time. We're not baking cakes. You know, this is a, right. a living animal, you know, and it's going to react to certain things. Like maybe they don't like the heat at all. You know what I mean? Maybe they, they, you know, they like it cooler. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've, I've, I've seen an, like specific animals that I'm like, why is it doing this? You shouldn't be doing this. Like look at mm -hmm. all the other carpet pythons in this room. Why are you doing this? You know? Um, mm -hmm. you know, with like uh, poplin carpet pythons, for whatever reason, they like to spend a lot of time in their water bowls. You know, I don't know why that is, uh, but they it's do. Annoying. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more than uh, more than anything. But uh, I think if you keep, you know, if you keep the animal at least for a little while before you're just jumping in and breeding it, um, you know, yeah. I would not recommend going and buying adult animals no. buying out somebody's collection and think that the no. following year that you're just going to be especially if you're new to breeding like that just yeah. never I, I know you're you think you're cutting corners or you're you're shaving some years off a project or whatever but it never ever 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 ends well well very rare. let's 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 put it this way uh we've started mpr uh eight years now and yeah. For eight years, I've like had white lips, gotten rid of white lips, had white lips, gotten rid of white lips, and all sort of stuff. Where if I had just gotten baby white lips and raised them up for the eight years, I'd have a better shot at getting eggs than I ever had before. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so true. You need to spend yeah. 
you can spend seven or eight years trying to do this project the wrong way, or you can just knuckle down, get the babies, raise them up in your room, in your collection, and you'll have a better shot. So there's that. Now, some people will get lucky by buying adult pairs of animals and pairing them up and putting them together, but more often than not, it doesn't work out that way. So it is what it is. Um, also when you are potentially buying out somebody's collection, who's on the way out, I'd be very, very cautious of that kind of stuff because there's normally a reason that those people are leaving, that they're bailing out or they're selling out their collections because number one, something has happened and they don't have time, which means that, you know, something could be care or they might not be down there as much as they really want to or should be. They could have been burnt out because they had a mass die off that they're not telling you about. It's like, there's a lot of kind of stuff that can be contributed to that. So if you are going to end up buying somebody's collection, um, don't let it near your stuff for a while. Definitely quarantine that stuff. And I think that's where a lot of people tend to make the more mistake is that we're get too excited to breed and you don't stop and think for two seconds of like, Where's this thing been? Um, what is this animal and all that stuff? I mean, I think a lot of the major problems we've had with Nido is because of animals that were on breed loan where they took it and immediately chucked it into the collection with the female. Why? Got to get that male in. And that's, you know, pump the brakes. Just yeah. because something doesn't go this year doesn't mean it can't go next year. So. Yeah, and, the, and you know, Ryan just brought up a good point in the chat. You know, the reason mm-hmm. I say not to start with, like, what I call more difficult projects, and when I say more difficult, I'm talking about some of the rarer type of pythons that you might find in the hobby, um, mm-hmm. bowling scrubs, white lips, ring pythons. Um, well, not even ring pythons, because most of the stuff that you get from <laughs> the cat is born and well, bred. No, but, um, no, but, but look at it this way. If you, but if you don't treat, treat a ring python like a ring python, you kill it. I mean, if you put it in, on that's paper a good point. with like a tiny yeah. water bowl. Yeah, so I'd say ring python is in that intermediate group where you're, you need to know, you need to at least do some research in order to do that. So Yeah, so that, that, that I'll give you an example of where I totally, you know, didn't have my research a hundred percent, you know, when it came Mm. to ring pythons, you know, um, I was, my approach was similar to what you would do with, uh, with just your regular Python, you know, you're growing Mm -hmm. them up, you feed them like maybe once every two weeks, you know, the meal can be, uh, you know, somewhat big. Uh, but turns out that, you know, I read an article with Tom Keoghan that he wrote. And one of the things he says is when they're younger, you have to feed them more often in smaller meals, um, trying to get them going, so to speak. So more like a colubrid, which would be totally different than anything that I would have thought of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and you, you know, now that I have that little bit of info, now you know everything is is going good and they're doing well. But you know, white lips and ring pythons, like if you forget, <laughs> and I'm not <laughs> condoning this, but if you forget to change the water bowl. Uh, in a carpet python's cage, eh, it's eh. probably not going to be that big of a deal. <laughs> if you do that with a ring python or a white lip, <sighs> you're going to have a dead snake, you know? Uh, so, so those type of things are very, 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 very important. Um, yeah. 
And and the reason that I'm saying that, you know, not to start with those more difficult projects is maybe you came from a background of keeping, uh, you know, snakes when you were younger, or, you know, maybe you had experience with like some of the more mainstream species like, you know, uh, corn snakes or ball pythons or leopard geckos or anything like, you know what I mean? Some of yeah. the more established, easy to well, breed type of animals. Yeah, I mean, but th- those things like corn snakes, king snakes, bull snakes, you know, pine snakes, we we recommend them as first-time pets because they are so forgiving. It's ridiculous because they can survive in the native habitat that we currently dwell in. You know, oh, my Correct. God, I didn't turn on my king snake's light. Oh, look, he's fine. It's like, okay, like, I got it. It's right. You, you really got to try. You really have to neglect it to kill it. Like, I mean, really have to neglect it. And... It, it, and that's why we tell you that, because we what we say about these things being a little bit more intermediate is that they are very less forgiving when it comes to mistakes. You know, something does go wrong, the animal will die. And it's unfortunate because you spent all the money and time raising it up. But it's also unfortunate because sometimes you bought that animal and it didn't go to the person who could have bred it and recreated it and did all this stuff. Because, I mean... How many times do we see some guy who just happens to stumble into that one animal that turns out to be a, a weird looking, uh, that golden Maclots comes to mind? Yeah, sure. Yeah, where it's like he had it and he's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to breed it. I'm going to breed it. And numerous people are like, hey, send it to me. I'll breed it. We'll do this stuff. And he kept it and he overfed it and he killed it. And it's like right. now it's gone. And so right. there's that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things you really have to think about when you're, you know, if you really want, I mean, <laughs> I was talking to Chris uh, about this not too long ago is just like, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're dealing with the scrubs and, you know, you're working with that type of project, you know, one of the things you really have to think about is, mm-hmm. you know, do I have access to a good vet? Um, do yeah. I have access to, um, you know, am I going to be able to, uh, you know, follow the, have the money to deworm this animal and make sure that, uh, you know, internal parasites are taken care of and, and, you know, am I going to be able to focus on getting this animal hydrated and established and do I have the right kind of setup to where the, the animal is going to feel secure and, you know, um, just all those different things you're taking an animal out of the wild i would not recommend you know something like a scrub python as a first time breeding project for somebody no. with no experience because that's just going to end badly and you know yeah. what i mean it's just it's just going to end badly so if you really want to work with something like a scrub python i would say start with a carpet python you yep. know what I mean? Get your feel for that because they're a little more forgiving. You know, you can get, uh, you know, even if you just buy one and, you know, you just kind of work with it for a while and get the feel for it and what, what mm-hmm. happens and, you know, ha- what do I have to do? What kind of, you know, light cycles and temperature cycles and feeding cycles and all those type of things that, that go into effect. Um, you know, how, how it's be easier to translate once you have that experience under your belt. So I think right. it's kind of important. So it's like research and really keep the species uh, before you're going to get into breeding. You set up a breeding project. Right. Like, I mean, no, but it's like, and you're exactly correct where, you, you know, have some success 
with something that might be easier. Like, you know, if, if you are an established, like, I don't know, colubrid breeder and you want to start dipping your toe into the bigger Python species, then yeah, keep one or two, maybe start a project, maybe do your research. But you know, if you're still brand spanking new and haven't kept anything and you want to immediately jump to scrubs, you're going to have a lot of issues. Like you got to do baby steps. You got to, I, I, dude, I've, I've learned more stuff by breeding from 2010 till now than I yes. ever have reading than I ever did reading about breeding. And Correct. most of that unfortunately has come because things have gone horribly wrong Correct. in twisted <laughs> terms. You know, I've had yeah. I've had impacted females. I've had females that retained eggs. I've had um, you know, I I've had RIs in the middle of winter. You know, I it's I, I've had incubators that, you know, I've had power turn off to my house. Uh, you know, it's there's a lot of this kind of stuff that you can never think about it until you're in it. So, um, yeah, yeah even, if, I, even if you're going to breed, I mean, you bring up a good point. Even if you're going to breed, mm-hmm. you should still have access to a vet because of, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, me and you have both had females that had retained eggs. You know, yours yeah. was worse than mine, and I was able to palpate the eggs out of my female. But there was no book. That, nope. you know, <laughs> you know, there was, there was nothing. What, what I did was I reached out to people, you know, that, that I spoke to from breeders. I talked to you, you know, I yep. talked to Rob Stone. I talked to Nick Button, you know, all those people that I've been, you know, bought snakes from, you know, this is where, this is why we say all the time, you know, buying from a breeder, it may not seem like a big deal in the beginning. You know, you're walking through a reptile show, you see a cool snake on a table, you're like, and I'm not trying to, 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 like, to tell anybody that that's a bad idea. But mm. if you're really serious about breeding, that's not the way to go. Find no. yourself somebody that you can talk to and that, you know, you like their animals and you like what they do or you like how they keep or anything like that. And, and you'll be able to develop a relationship with them and then you're buying snakes from them. And then when those snakes grow up and you have a problem, you know, you can just send an email, call on the phone, send a text message, whatever. And you may, you may end up saving that snake's life. And, and, you know, then you have that experience. So then you know what to look for. But what I will say is, is that, you know, it, it, if you reach out and ask for help and the vet and the breeder says, take it to the vet, do not argue with them because they're saying, take it to the, take it to the vet because they know cranking the heat isn't going to work for this. Take it to the vet. So I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry. If the words out of my mouth are take it to the vet. That's the end of the conversation, in my opinion. You need to take it to the doctor. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but you're you're right because then you can you can build off on that as opposed to trying to go back to the dude you bought it from who just happened to buy out somebody else's clutch and put it on his table. Like he might not have support for you with that. So if you are yeah. serious in breeding, talk to other breeders, get involved in their bloodlines and their projects. And, you know, invest in your collection. You know, it's everybody in the beginning has that uh, it's time to act real phase where it's like you look around your room and you realize all the carpet pythons that you purchased just because you were walking through a show and there was a carpet python of significant size. 
because I mean I did it and I had uh, I had a jungle coastal that I had for years. I had um, I had a bunch of just off end weird carpets that had no background anything, and then next to them I had like a Will Leary MBB jack, and it's like okay. So what are we doing here? Because like we can do this, we can do that. So, you know, I started, like you said earlier, where every once in a while you got to trim the fat and realize that certain things aren't fitting into your projects and you got to let them go. So, it, it, there's the time to be serious and then <laughs> I got talk a problem to with that. The breeders, you do, <laughs> yeah. you do, yeah. I do. Well, of course you but do. Yeah, yes, you, you do. Yeah, yes. Um, but there's like. You're not going to the show and buying a carpet python that's in a bin on some random dude's table who doesn't have any teeth because he he lives yeah. it looks like he lives out of a van. Like you're not buying carpets from that guy anymore. You shouldn't be buying carpets from that guy anymore. So, you know, but you yeah. want to go and talk to the breeder. You want to go get if you want the jungle, you go get the jungle from the guy who's got insane colors and can show you the parents and the grandparents and all that stuff like that. You don't just grab a freaking baby off a table and hope, you know, that's, that's how you do that thing. So I don't know where yeah, the hell you go with that. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, even if you're talking about things, you know, like, like green tree pythons, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not, I don't, I don't necessarily think that they're difficult. They're just different. Yeah. But what's going to be, uh, you know, what's going to be advantageous for yourself is that if you have bought that from, from a, from a, uh, a known breeder, um, you're going to, you're going to set yourself up to, to be more successful because, you know, especially with the green tree guys, they're always sharing information about, yeah. you know, uh, you know, they did this wrong and, you know, they learned from this and don't do that and don't do this. And like, you know, you question those, you're thinking like, ah, man, that's crazy. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then you run into that problem and you're like, Oh, well, maybe they were right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like and, maybe, maybe and they were thank all God, in there. And thank God they shared the information. So now I know Correct. what to do. Correct. Where yeah. other, so, other reptile groups, they just keep their mouth shut. You don't ever just, you just don't hear about it. So just to flip back for a second, Ryan had another question from the chat, and you know, damn it, Ryan, what's the opinion on vets? Um, for example, he lives in a rural area, and his nearest vet is 150 miles away. Uh, should a person at that point try to partner with a local vet and try to get them to learn with you? Um, I, I can't remember the name of the site. Maybe you do, Owen, but there is a site out there that um, I was about you know, to ask you. You know, there's uh, that there's that one website. What a fail. <laughs> I know we suck because we had yeah. um we had that one guest who uh, was it was Brad Bradley, right? Um, or am I getting that wrong too? Brad Waffa. Waffa? Yeah, yeah, that was Brad Waffa. Yeah, he came on because there's a site that would tell you the nearest reptile vet in your area. Now, if you do not have a reptile vet, most veterinarians will take a crack at it. But like I said, you might need to go in there with a little bit more knowledge or like you said, to help, like Ryan said, to help the, the you and the vet learn together. I mean, the vet can take samples. They've been trained to do that. They know where to send them or they can find where to send them to do testing. Um, and any vet can can prescribe the you know antibiotics and that we use all the time for uh, RIs and other treatments. Um, the only thing that might get really tricky would be if there's a major surgery that's going to be required. Um, 
I'll say this, yeah. that uh, my snake that was that had retained eggs was given the same drug you give to birds when they have retained eggs. And she right. laid eggs. So that's right. not necessarily. So they should be able to help you out. If you're still having a problem, you may need to look at any major vet school in the area. Because I know if I hadn't have found Dr. Dennis, uh down by me, uh, my next step was going to be University of Pennsylvania which I do know a few people because I think Zach takes his stuff to university of Pennsylvania or he did. Um, he did yeah. Used to know yeah I know a few did. other people. Yeah. U Penn has an animal, uh, you know, they, 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 it's a teaching vet hospital, so they'll take reptiles and they have a, they have a reptile vet on staff that I think used to teach at my college. So, you know, they're there. Right. You just might have to do a little bit of digging. Right. Um, so I'd say look at vet schools. If not a vet, if the vet says they'll be, they'll take a crack at it and take a look at it, they'll take a look at it. They might be Googling stuff when they leave the room. That's fine. They have the prescription pad. You don't. So and, uh, <laughs> I, I would kind of not recommend. I know that some people will just go and get drugs off of random websites and stuff like that. Um, unless you know the dilutions, unless you know what is safe to give your animal. Um you can end up really messing it up, especially with things like Batril. If it's not injected the right way, you can get what's called a Batril burn, which yep. damages the skin and the scales. Um, and, you know, it's you you can do a lot more harm than good if your first, you know, thing is just to inject them. Um, or uh, Data Vet Tech, which is what I'm doing, and things are working great there, so, you know, I can get... <laughs> <laughs> there's that as well there's that that's a good one <laughs> so. yep. keep uh keep them close um yeah i think that's uh you know it's so important um and we've said this a million times but you know it kind of goes against like if you're really looking to get into a certain species but you know work with what you love because yep. breeding projects there that's a that's a that's a that's a long commitment I mean, yeah, for most of uh, Morelia, you're looking at at least the very least three years, you know, for females can, to be able to go. Can you can you imagine being one of those guys that like absolutely loves one type of reptile, but you won't work with it because there's no money in it. So you work with a different type of reptile. Like, would you even like them at this point? Like, no. I mean, I couldn't like, do that. Imagine, imagine you're totally into Morelia, but you know for a fact that you can't sell Morelia like you can sell leopard geckos, and you have a collection of leopard geckos and maybe like one carpet python. Like, how do you do this? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think of like, uh, let me think of like Keith comes to mind, Keith McPeak, right. Yes. He has, yes. you know, he is, he's at this point in his, uh, breeding, um, um, what would you call it? Breeding, uh, <laughs> breeding experience that he's, he's, he's focused on this bull and I, and yeah. you know, that species in particular, he's looking for those species that are a little more difficult that are, you know, harder to breed or trying to figure out, but think about how much experience that he has. He can breed a and blood python had, with his eyes closed. Yeah. So. Right. But he's bred, <laughs> I mean, he's bred so many different species and he's having a hard time with 
with breeding that. You know what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. I mean, don't don't fool yourself to think that like, oh well, I'm going to be the guy. You know what I mean? Like, no. well, what nah, is, what's going to be your approach? You know? Um, exactly. I, I I don't necessarily think that 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 it's that they're harder. It's just trying to figure out like what is making this animal tick. And I think. I think that when you're working with a species like that, you sort of have to be really focused because you have you to sit in your reptile room and observe what's going on with these animals and, and what makes them tick. So you have to, right. in order to do that, you have to work with something that you love. I mean, mm-hmm. you use your example. If you're, you know, just breeding leopard geckos because well, that's what pays the bills, you're well, not yeah, going to be you, like super excited about that. Yeah, it was um, it was my first it was my my one of my first shows in Lancaster. I think I've told the story like a million times. Like and it was I was set up next to a guy who was selling bearded dragons and I had baby carpets who were like had just taken their like first couple meals. So they looked horrible. So like I mean, like they weren't <laughs> there was no color. Right. It was right. Yeah. I had them these beautiful acrylic displays and this guy set up next to me and he's selling bearded dragons left and right. And he goes, uh, he's like, uh, how are you doing selling the, the, the carpet? So I'm like, eh, you know, hit or miss, you know, more of a miss now, but we'll see. And he goes, nah, man, you know, he's like, I love Amazon tree bows and emerald tree bows, but there's no money in it. So I sell these things. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And I like, I left that show like dejected and all kind of like upset and being like, crap, I guess I'm like, I'm like, I might never sell another baby. Well, duh, they grew up a little bit and they get color and then they all sold like, you know, it happened. <laughs> And then, right. and then and then four years pass and Andrew's like, Hey, a guy I know is selling out a bunch of racks. You want to go over and see it? And it's that dude selling all his rack systems. Cause he's getting out of it because there's no money left in bearded dragons. And all I could think about as I'm clearing this dude's thing out is like, you know, if he had devoted his collection to Amazons and emeralds, uh-huh. you know, who wouldn't want to buy it? People are going nuts for Amazons and Emeralds like all the freaking time. Like, I don't understand. There was no money in it. So, well, here's the thing about what I've learned about, you know, the reptile hobby business, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, is that everything is cyclical. So it's, what's hot right now is not going to be hot in a year from now. But, and, but if you're working with something you really enjoy, does it freaking matter? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's so yeah. important that you should really work with what you love because, exactly. you know, like I, a perfect example of that is Tom Keoghan. He's probably mm. breeding ring pythons for years and years and years. And like, he's no like, one cares. Oh, well, nobody gives a shit about these, you know, like, okay, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And just all of a sudden, like somebody got it and they posted it and then somebody else saw it and they posted it. It was something different. And then, you know, now that it's like, Oh my God. And it seems like that, uh, that, that has sort of died off a bit. Not that ring pythons are any less cool than they were when he was breeding them, you know, 15 years ago, but yeah, I mean, it just sort of, you know, it's like I said, it's cyclical, you know, um, what's hot now is not going to be hot, that hot next year or two years or four years from now when you go to breed it, you know? So that's why you really have to think about, and I, we'll get into this in a little bit, but like, you know, knowing your market, knowing, you know, I mean, cause you're going to have babies. What are you going to do with those babies? You know, you have to think about those things. You have to have a, have a plan in place. It's just not like, I mean, everybody thinks they have this idea in their head 
that's like, oh, well, I'm just going to go to the reptile show and I'm going to buy a couple of females and I'm going to buy a male and I'm just going <laughs> to wait a couple of years and feed them up and breed them and I'm just going to sell them sell. and everybody's <laughs> going to want them. You know, it's like, you know I, I think I invested 10 grand in a brand new reptile room because I mm-hmm. thought I was going to get my clutch of caramel tigers and sell them all for a ridiculous <laughs> amount of money and make it back. Right. And out of the entire Still clutch, I got one. Yeah, out of, no, thank God, no. But out of that entire clutch, I got one caramel tiger, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, yeah, no, that is a stupid plan. A stupid, right. stupid Read your snakes, put money away every year, and then eventually you can redo your reptile room. Or every year, buy one cage, and you can slowly build up your reptile room. Like, you know, that person who's getting out, buy all their computer systems and cages and racks. Don't buy their animals. Buy those. So, right. you know, eventually you can do it. There's so much of a cheaper way to do it than what I did and a smarter and yet, way. And I'm not saying that you can't buy adults and I'm not, I'm not saying any of that because there's some people that do it and they've been successful with it and, yes. you know, to more power to them. But I'm just trying I would to set say you up for the it's best fewer success. Yes. Yes. It's fewer. They're, they're not the norm. They're the exception. Normally, mm-hmm. you get the adults, and they don't breed, or something doesn't happen, and then one of them dies, and then you're stuck with the other one. You know, that's this is why you eventually see lone adult animals because normally they were part of a pair at one point. Right. Yeah. You know, and this is something that um, when I was thinking about different, t- you know, ideas for the show and all, I don't, mm. I don't think that I've ever heard people talk about this. Um, mm. Figure out where you are. Where do you live and how is that going to affect how you breed? For instance, (laughs) the West Coast, their approach Uh is different Uh than us on the East Coast. And the people (laughs) that live in Texas, their approach is a little bit different than how we breed here or how they breed on the West. So you're telling me I don't need an air conditioning in my room? No. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's the point. That might be wrong. Yeah. Users, <laughs> you know, and and certain species are probably, you know, depending on where you are, um, mm. are going to do a lot better. You know, I think you know, like I think a species like chondros are going to do way, probably the best in Florida. Right? I mean, I would, it's yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's you got the the weather kind of you know, kind of works with you. Um, mm-hmm. You're looking at uh, humidity. Um, you don't have to worry about that. Like you want it to get a little cold. You open up a window. It's not, you know what I mean? It's just, it, yeah. you can like, you could keep the Terry Phillip VPI way where you're keeping <laughs> just an ambient temperature type of way um, yeah. down there. And you're going to be successful. You are not, not, well, not in Massachusetts. You can't do the Terry Phillip method in like Massachusetts. Like, you know, it's, you could, but you could, but to, you may have to do more. <laughs> you're going to have stuff. to really look at where you're breeding them and the room that you're in and, and what are the parameters that you're working with. And for instance, right. like, I know that people do this and I know Mm. that people are successful with this, but like you also have to think about the species that you're working with. So for instance, Mm. like, you know, if you're going to work with just in carpet pythons, like you can't really be that successful if you're keeping diamonds the same as Darwin's, 
You're not right. going to be able to you, – you may get clutches, but you're not going to get them consistently, in my opinion. Well, I'd say bread line. I mean, if you don't well, take the bread line – if you don't take the bread line and cool them down, yeah, you might run into it every couple of years. But if you want consistency, then you have to cool them. I mean, Nick's told us that a million times, and I've seen it. You know, right? Yeah, you, you've <laughs> you've experienced it firsthand. You know, I have. Um, I've done that. So, I mean, you got to think about that. You know, the weather in your area. Um, another thing that I would say is um, think about equipment that you're going to need. Uh, you're mm. going to need an incubator. You're going to need egg boxes. You're going to need thermostats. Cages. cages. You've got to be able to raise those parents from babies all the way up to adults and fully accommodate the adults. And then you have to be able to support every, the babies that you get. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that was on my list as well. It's like, you know, oh, one of the things you have to think head. about. <laughs> no worries, but, you know, we're kind of jumping around, but... It's like one of the things you really have to think about is, uh, are you going to be like, if you're going to produce 40 uh, clutches of carpet pythons, (laughs) are you going to be able to house and feed 40 clutches of carpet pythons (laughs) until they sell? Um, Oh God. And then think about this. What if you breed like, what, what what if you breed a ton of diamonds? I mean, can you imagine I mean, you have to start thinking about that because we, you and I were talking about that apparently they just love skinks and stuff yes. like that. You have right. to start thinking about that. That's an added expense now because you chose diamond pythons. Sure. Yeah, and I mean, you'll get them going, but, you know, you have to be able to have access to, you know, to that. Uh, Either dead skinks or eye skink eye. juice or, yeah. Right. Which, because of Reptilinks, uh, you know, that uh, is a lot Make easier easy. nowadays, you know what I mean? But <laughs> <You're> <laughs> back right. in my day. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. I hate it that we've become those people, but it's really getting to that point now. Rich, sure. like in my day, if you had to eat lizards, you had to go get a damn lizard from Bacon. <laughs> yeah, <like>. exactly. <laughs> you kids don't um, know how good you got it with your internet and your sausage companies. You know, it's... <laughs> I would also, uh, you know, what I did is, um, and this sort of plays into um, printing out those websites. Um, back mm-hmm. in the day, Anthony Caponetto's website was, uh, he was one of the only people that really had a, you know, sort of a um, care sheet, if you will, for breeding carpet pythons, you know? Yeah. And like, he sort of had it laid out, uh, you know, each event, you know, like, uh, you know, cool down, uh, introductions, um, you know, when do you warm up? Do you feed? Do you not feed? All those kind of things were kind of like laid out step by step. And at least mm-hmm. it kind of gave you an outline of like what you're going to do. I mean, you should really sit down and think about like what's going to be your approach. And I, in my opinion, I think I would start those animals from from babies you know so that's why it's always best to get the young the the youngest you can you know the youngest animal you can that's where you should start the problem is how do we get the youngest we can well you breed it of course damn it it's like um (laughs) son of a bitch damn it it's a cycle um but no it's dude it's um just going through animals that i have currently 
I have one, two, three, I have about four females that I watched hatched, hatch that are breeding this year, um, two of which are going to lay eggs. Um, uh-huh. And then next year I have like f- four more that are, will be ready to roll. And it's like those things, I was able to notice things that like you and I have talked about that I've missed, like ovulation swells. And this right. thing, I think, I've seen this animal its entire life. I know when something's not something correct different. or something right. different here. Like, you know, it's like right. that. So right. you start to notice this plus animal has put through my keeping strategies its entire life. So you, they like it male wasn't even in there that long. They bred a couple times and it was done. Okay, cool. You know, other ones like he had to stay in there from October all the way through to like last week. So, right. It helps out. But yes, young, the younger you can get it, the better. Yeah. Cause then you it, raise it, it up and then you deal with it. Yep. Right. It's going to know your conditions, you know, even if those conditions are not, uh, you know, a hundred percent perfect than what somebody else does. You know, if you're having success, then, you know, then who is somebody else to tell you that, you know, that you're doing it wrong? Um, you know, yeah. obviously there's certain <laughs> there's certain things that, you know, are, are would you say, uh, non-negotiable, um, you know, like <laughs> food. Yeah. You kind of have to oh. make sure that mm-hmm. your animal is hydrated. You yeah. want to make sure it's in a clean cage. But it's not going to be the end of the world if the snake doesn't have a shelf to sit on, you know. And again, <laughs> we're, I'm talking carpet pythons, you know. Right. Um, well, I mean, you know, we can even go with you. You breed primarily in racks, and I have cages, but we still right. get eggs. Holy crap! You know, right. it's just kind of ha- it. It's flip flop of the year. It's whatever you do. It, it sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't, and it, it's like you said. It doesn't matter if the snake doesn't have. It, it, it as long as the thing is being kept happy and healthy, there are millions of different ways to skin the cat. I used to read Will Leary put out an article in Reptiles magazine about how to breed carpet pythons, and I used to read that every year. And it almost did it. He almost did it like Caponetto did it, where it was on this date, put them together. And I did that every year for my first like two three years. Right. And then I just then I just went on my own. And I would love to read that again. And be like, I need to find the articles. I want to read it again and be like, wow, I have so deviated from this thing. I guarantee you, I don't do things like it anymore. Hold on, Owen. I'm going to go get the binder and I'll. I hate you. No. (laughs) I have that article. I know you do. (laughs) Don't you dare. I don't. Past Owen has nothing to do with what we're doing. Right. But no, it's like because you learn, you evolve, you also realize, you know. Yes. Okay. But this is easier for me. And also, um, I think we've played off of more the things that I think um, we use the outside weather more than I think we would have back then. You know, it's always the run home, put your animals together because it's going to snow. Or I was going to warm up the bread lab, but I looked at the weather and it says it's going to drop back down to like the 20s. So they're going to stay under for a little bit longer. Sure. Plus, also, you know, um, the feeding when the warm-up happens. Bring everybody up, feed them a small meal, and then put them all back together. Because then sometimes you get locks right after that that you weren't expecting. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect example of like, you know, don't be afraid to sort of step outside the box. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, that was totally by accident that that happened, that I did it for myself. And I remember talking to Casper about it because I was like, you know, we're going back and forth in a message. And he was saying that there wasn't a whole lot of action. I was saying the same thing. I was like, you know what, I'm going to. And really what it came from is um, back in the day, Luke Snell was telling me, he's like, if you want to see if your fe- if the females grab it, try to offer a meal, see what happens, you know? <laughs> and typically if she's typically. grabbed it, she, she'll refuse the meal. You know what I mean? And she'll, she, cause she's focused on trying to, you know, get those eggs laid and taking care of the eggs. She's in a different mind state, if you will. Um, I will say that if it is, I think it's more along the lines of if it is prior to prelay shed, she might take it. I mean, you know, I would say that I have I've offered food and I've had more females take it when it's before prelay shed. Post prelay shed, it's a toss up because I've had one girl take it and then two days later lay eggs. So, eh. <laughs> yeah, and again, this is not it's not, you know, by any stretch of the means, uh, you know, a set, a set thing, you know, again, Mm -hmm. it's just adapting to what you, what you see or what you're noticing. So, you know, with that situation, I was like, well, I'm going to try to feed her. And then she fed and then she ovulated. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So maybe if I feed them right when they're warming up, maybe that'll sort of push them to ovulate. Because I was seeing a tons of lock, tons of locks, and I, I, but I wasn't getting any eggs, and I was kind of getting right. frustrated, you know. And um, uh, the following year, I did the same thing, and it worked like a charm. It was like, what the hell? Oh man, nobody ever said this. No, nobody ever told me that that you know to try this part. So, yeah. um, I don't know. It was just one of those things that, uh, um, uh, that you know, I just stumbled upon, and you know, it kind of worked for. Uh, um, uh, what's his name as well? What the hell, Casper? Jesus, <laughs> you forgot his name? Oh, oh man, my God! Um, uh, but no, it's like, and that's and it's that kind of stuff that works. But it's also that kind of stuff that you need to consider because you know we we talked about setting up the breeding project of like picking the animal, dipping your toe into the animal, and then you have to make sure you can accommodate and set it up. But then now you need to get it and now you need to figure out like you need to start talking to the people or reading the things that tell you how to progress through the breeding season. And then you got to put those things into action. Like, you know, you got to, you got to start, you got to do it. And that can be hideously nerve wracking because I mean, we've told that we've said it before. Breeding is probably one of the most dangerous things you can do in the reptile hobby when it comes to your animal's health, you know, sure. we're all trying this. Yeah, stress is one. You so many things can go wrong with your girls. Like so many things can go wrong. If if you do not if you love an animal far too much, you should really maybe consider not breeding it. Um, <laughs> just, just because it, I've lost females. You've lost females. Um, sure, we've both had yeah. females that have laid eggs, seemed like they were doing fine, and then a month later crashed because something was going on that we didn't see. You know, it's, I had a caramel that did that last last year. Last year, yeah. Remember I, the uh, uh, I I had the tanabars and then she laid uh, a bunch of slugs, and I'm like, all right, well, better luck next year. And then she crashed, and like you know, about I think two weeks or something after she laid the slugs. So, 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think another thing that you really have to think about if you're going to breed um, and with, with people that are into Morelia, usually this is, well, it depends. Mm-hmm. People that are in already into the, into this hobby and this, you know, niche of the hobby. Um, right. Are sort of follow the, you know, best in best out. So you start with the best animals, you're going to get the best babies. You know, it's, 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 it's pretty much a no brainer. Um, if you mm-hmm. have some ugly, dirty coastal jungle, you know, whatever, and you're like, I'm going to breed it to this, uh, you know, yellow and black jungle. I'm going to get crazy. Mud. Babies. You'll, you'll get, no, you'll get mud. <laughs> you will get mud. Yeah. <laughs> you will get crap. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I always try to find, you know, the best, the best that you can possibly get, uh, who is working with, you know, uh, this type of animal. Uh, and a perfect mm-hmm. example would be if you're going to look for diamond jungle jags, you know, um, you know, John Battaglia is the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and now, you know, you can see somebody that followed that, like Martin, um, he's followed that and his animals are phenomenal. You know, because yep. he focused on getting the best animals that he could. He didn't like cruise by a table and he's like, oh, look, this jungle's only 150 bucks. You know, Owen wants $300 for his jungle over there. I'm not going <laughs> to go and buy that, that one. Guy. This one's 130 yeah. bucks. You know? <laughs> like, what? Mark's very mean. <laughs> but, <laughs> <What? it's>, um, <laughs> but that's, that's you know, the thing. I mean, and we've had that conversation. Remember, there was, I had a, you asked me to sell a lightning line for you. And yeah. the dude came over and he goes, what's the difference between this one and the ones over there? I'm like, this is a lightning line. What's that mean? It's better than those over there. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, what do you mean? And then he goes and he buys two things and he comes back to the table. He goes, well, I'm going to breed these and I'll make something like that. I'm like, no, you won't. He goes, that's what the guy told me over there. I'm like, yeah, but look at those things. It's not going to be yellow. They look like crap. Like, no, it's not. You're not going to get a lightning line. You're going to get, no. you get carpets. He goes, same thing. I'm like, good luck. Bye. Bye now. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> like, you know, well, please leave. That's the other thing. Like if, you know, uh, I've, t- I've talked to many people that have come from the ball Python or Royal Python side of the hobby. And, <laughs> you know, no matter what morph is in that Royal Python, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, it's a Royal Python. So if you read <laughs> a spider pastel, yellow belly, you know, uh, goblin het candy, uh, to Wait, an albino. There's a goblin. There's something called a goblin. Well, I understood um, most of those. So go yeah. on. I, yeah, I try to throw one in every once in a while. So. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's all about educating, you know. Thank um, you, I know. <laughs> anyway, you're still gonna have ball pythons at the end of the day. Yes. That's not necessarily the case with carpets. So, like for instance. If, you know, uh, a perfect example is the bullshit that's been going on with the diamond python world is, Mm. um, you know, Cypress Creek, whether or not, whether or not you want to say that they're pure or not pure, that doesn't necessarily matter when it comes to sell them. Right. You know, like in your world, you're going to say, yeah, these are pure, you know, oh yeah, these are pure diamonds. I talked to the guy that bred them and blah, 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 blah. All right. That's great. But now you have to sell them and people are going to be like, well, what bloodline is it? And you're going to say, well, these are Cypress Cypress Creek. Creek. And they're going to say, 
uh, shame on you, sir. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> They're going to be like, no way. <laughs> Unless I have the pedigree in hand, I denounce your diamonds and you will Good leave. Good day. <laughs> yeah. They put on their you know? top hat and monocle and they it, walk away. But no, it's, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't make the animal any less cooler. No, but, but you're going to have a hard time selling that. Yes, yes, you you're might. Gonna, you're going to. You might. It's just yeah. the way it is. That's just the way it is. And you you should understand that as something when you're looking to get into the project. That yes, this is something that's attaching itself to the project. If you don't care, that's fine because you'll find other like-minded people who will buy your animals. Now, you're not going to know how hard it's going to be to sell these things until you breed them and try to sell them. You might, me might make that first clutch and they might fly and you'd be like, holy shit, I don't know what people are talking about. Um, or it might take a while and then you have to seriously consider if you're going to pre- repeat the pairing the next year, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I agree with you. And there's levels Yep. that each, so remember too, like, okay, so then there's the, there's Morelia. And then there's mm-hmm. the carpet pythons, and then uh-huh. each little se- each little subspecies or species, whatever you choose to uh, to say, um, has their own little group. You know, uh, jungle jungle guys and girls they don't seem to care as much can, about lineage as long as you it's yellow and black. Can you imagine if like somebody did research and found out there were like four distinct species of ball python? <laughs> no, no, oh god! It's like yeah. all your ball pythons are hybrids. I don't think right. they'd care. I don't. No, I, I don't care. think they would care because they're so far they're into it now. Way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, that way, they're so far into it. It would just. It wouldn't work. But like, if you come up, like, and that's just the weird part of it is like they wouldn't care. I don't think retic guys would care either. No, they don't. Um, they, they, they wouldn't. Them now they cross them. I, I I can I can say I have three retics now. I'm a retic guy, so I can say I don't oh, care. Okay. So right. fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I just want happen. a cool looking snake. I, I, I have a car with that. Yeah, I know. Ooh. But it's the, <laughs> but 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 Ooh. you start talking about. I know, right? I'm fancy. You start talking yeah. about breaking up chondros and people lose their minds. <laughs> you yeah. start talking about how you know, heaven forbid, somebody comes out of the woodwork and they're like. Wait, wait, wait. Inlands are two different species. What is that going to be? Like, you know, there's yeah. there's so many things that can go on there. It's, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, if you, you know, again, like, okay, we can give a couple examples. So, like, like I was saying, like, jungles seem to be more forgiving of that. You know, what, how mm-hmm. they approach it is, is that they'll say, well, this is an undocumented jungle. And then they okay. don't care. That's it. Then they move on. <laughs> and they're like, okay, it's a cool looking snake. But you well, can't right. really do that with diamond pythons. Why? I don't know. That's just how those guys are geared. Because, you know, those they're are the like, rules. You should know you have to have in those binders, there is the carpet python rule book, right? Like, have you been hiding oh, it yeah. from all of us? <laughs> Dig yes. it out, man. Yeah. Yes. So, so it's very, and, you know, coastals, I think coastals are a little bit uh, similar to diamonds where, you have if you're working with coastals, like a lot of people really want. So, for instance, like I'll use in another example, like the citrus tiger. You know, for the most yeah. part, they're coastals, but there's an undocumented animal in the lineage. So, that being said, um, for whatever reason, they, you know, I've had people that walk up and they're like, "Oh my God, that tiger's amazing!" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's a citrus tiger." And they're and like, they "Walk away." Never. They're like, "Never mind, <laughs> evil right, hybrid." 
just because I spit on your displays when I see hybrids doesn't mean you have to tell everybody, okay? <laughs> and they're not even hybrids because they're kind of. I, I, I know, anyway. I know. Don't, don't. We're not doing no, no. Yeah. We are not have not not tonight. We will have that debate yeah. later. But so anyway, that, um, those are yeah right. Those are things so that you you're right. You want to think about. If I had if I had a family tree of coastals, and let's say great grandparents is an undocumented, no idea. Here it is. People might look down on that more so than they would if it was a jungle carpet, and it was an undocumented, don't know what it is, but the image of the animal was like completely black and yellow. You have no idea what's in that thing, but it's black and yellow, and you don't care. Moving on, like, and that's same thing. I yeah. think you'd also get to that point with uh, Papuan carpets, too, because I think they would be just as unforgiving as an, of an undocumented animal in a, in a family yeah. tree uh, as a coastal. So it's like Jungle gets away with it, and they seem to be the only ones because, uh, you know, these things, Jungle gets away with it. Darwin's, they don't care <laughs> because unless it's yeah. an albino, they don't give a shit. Um, right. Inland's, it doesn't matter, and bread lie, it doesn't matter. The only things that really people care about are coastal lineage, uh, diamond lineage, and popcorn carpet. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, if you're really, you know, Riley brought up a good point in the chat. If you're really hardcore about, like, knowing that your animals came from the wild, well, there's only really one subspecies that you can work with at that point. I mean, you can get poplin carpet pythons from the wild. (laughs) Yeah, I guess you could get them from there, too, but that may be a whole other can of worms. (laughs) You can get any animal direct from the wild if you're not a coward, okay? So, you know. (laughs) Oh, is that how it works? That's the rule? You're damn right. So, All right. When Owen's getting frisked. We're we're going to get arrested. (laughs) Now we know. <laughs> they're just Mr. McIntyre. Like, you, step to the right. Like, you, you two, you two, get over here. And it's like yeah. I feel bad for people like Keith who are going to go with us because they're like you know he's not done anything, but he's going right. to be traveling with us, so they're going to end up frisking him too. So you know, yeah. I'm sorry. Yep, sorry Keith. <laughs> um, sorry Keith. Rob, but, not uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I think that, uh, you know, especially when it comes to Morelia, um, you know, best in, best out. Uh, so start with the best animals you can, can, um, you know, look at the parents. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. That'd be nice. Um, look at the parents. Uh, that's kind of important. Even if, yeah, right. Even if they're not pure, it doesn't matter. You're still going to get a feel for what that animal is, has, uh, could look like as an adult and more than likely, you know, you get, you know, in a clutch of jungle carpets, even if they're killer jungle carpets, you're going to get some that are just phenomenal. You're going to get some that are just okay. And then you're going to get some, you know, there might be a few in there that are like, yeah, yeah. All right. But you know, our tastes are spoiled now with, uh, when it comes <laughs> to jungles because we're so snobby, you know, Can you imagine, like, you oh. imagine just somebody that gets like fresh blood jungles. And I know everybody who's really into carpets would be like, oh, my God. But anybody else would be like, that's a fugly jungle. It's like, yeah. But... <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, yeah, this, this is this. But that's nah, what they're supposed to look like. Yeah, it doesn't matter, man. No, no. So that's kind of important. And, you know, if you're getting it from a breeder, um, like we talked about earlier, you know, you're you're going to build a relationship with them. And if you have questions or whatever, they're always going to be there. So it's advantageous to, uh, 
to know what you're working with. Um, uh, I would also say that with a breeding project, if you do get success, um, the best thing in my opinion we do is contact other people who might be doing the same project as you are and talk to them about price because um, the last thing you want to do is throw your stuff out there and um, accidentally or on purpose slash the ankles out from under somebody else. I mean, that's how, that's how you go from having some friends in the reptile community to none of them very, very quickly. Um, and it shouldn't be that hard. I mean, obviously if you're buying a project, uh, especially a morph project from a breeder, they'll be either be reproducing the same thing next year or have the next step. And then it's a simple thing from that or contacting certain other people, even if it's just a, obviously don't throw it out there on Facebook for all to see and be like, Hey, what's the current going rate for this? Cause then it's, you know, it, it, it's not really what you want to do. Maybe send them a private message or contact them or talk to them at a show um, just to see, cause you kind of want to match prices or maybe kind of justify a little bit. Um, my thing is like, if I have the same thing as somebody else, but theirs is like a year older, I might lower my price because now mine's younger. So there's a lot of different stuff like that. So I would just say talk with those people and set prices and things like that. This way nobody's undercutting anybody. And of course that's public price. You can obviously sell it for whatever the hell you want privately behind the table under threat of like murder. If you tell people what I sold you this animal for. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which we've all done that too. So there's, there's stuff like that. You don't basically, if you start to get success, you don't want to start pissing people off. So, you know, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you an example of for myself, like, you know, when I, I when I kind of figured out that carpet pythons was a, so let, I'm, I'll give you my story as far as like when I decided that I wanted to breed and, you know, okay. we've we've talked about this before, you know, but when I first was into um, getting back into snakes, I, I didn't have any ideas of breeding i didn't it didn't even cross my mind as something that you would do because it's not what i grew up doing and at the time it was you know when i was into it when i was a kid you know it was more about mm. keeping than it was about breeding like you know mm. it was very rare to see people breed snakes um or reptiles uh in in captivity you know so it wasn't a thing and i sort of had noah's ark syndrome you know, I wanted one of these, and one of them, and one of them, and one of them, and one of them, and like all over the place. It wasn't even like, like at least at some point I kind of narrowed it down to pythons, but I like, you know, I wanted a Savannah monitor, I wanted a Nile monitor, I wanted, a, you know, python and that python and Burmese python and, you know, oh, I need a Chinese water dragon. What am I going to do with it? Oh, no, I want one of them too, man. You know, it's just like, What? What are you doing, man? You're all Chinese over the place. water dragon. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I had them for a while. And, you know, I I, I, I just kept them. I, again, no idea. I had chameleons. I had geckos. I went through that phase when I was doing uh, crested geckos. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to sell these. At the, you know. <laughs> uh, but when I figured out that I wanted carpet pythons, and that's what I really wanted to breed, and that's what I wanted my you know, what I wanted to work with and what made me happy and what I get excited about when I walked into my reptile room, 
was carpet pythons and it still is. Mm-hmm. And here we are, what, you know, uh, almost 15 years later and I'm still in that same mode of, you know, and I, I've, I've dabbled with things and I've came in and out of things or whatever. But when I decided that I wanted to breed, it was researching people who had the best animals. So hmm. I wanted tiger carpet. Well, who do you go to? Well, there's one guy that really is known all over the forums for tiger carpet pythons, Jason Balin. All right. Well, yeah, he might that's be a good place I'm... to start. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's where I'm going to buy my tiger carpet. I don't care that Owen has tiger carpets. I don't care that Howard has carpet <laughs> tiger carpets. No, I want mine directly from the guy who, you know, that, 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 started the project, you know, and like right. bread lie was another thing. There was tons of people that had bread lie, you know, uh, that were breeding them. But like, I'm like, okay, well this guy, Nick Mutton seems to be really into this species. I wonder what the deal is with him. So you go, you look at his website and you're like, Oh, okay. So this guy's really like into these snakes. All right. Well, I want to get bread lie from him. Um, you know, and you know, certain lines of jungle citrus tigers came out that way. I was like, Oh, check these out. These are really mm-hmm. badass. You know, uh, I wanted diamond jungle. I'm going to get uh, gamma jag. I wanted jungle jags. It was either Mike Curtin or it was Mo. You know, it was a, it's just these people that you sort of, you know, IJs was Luke Snell. It's like, okay, well, if I want to get an IJ, I'm going to Luke, you know. Um, and I, I just established a collection that way, you know, and yeah. trying to get, you know, different lines or, or you know, different projects and, and develop relationships with these people so that, you know, I could then talk to them if I ran into trouble. So, um, and I, I think something that people, you know, especially when it comes to morph breeding, it's like, have some vision, you know, mm. be thinking about where the project's going to go after you make the four gene animal, like, where do you intend to take it to? Like, you know, if you're going to make a moon glow, is that going to be the end? Is that the end result? Like, is that where you get to and you don't see any more, um, uh, you know, future with that project? You just create more moon glows. And that's cool if that's what you want to do, you know. Um, or do you refine the moon glows? I mean, obviously, the whole thing is get to a certain point. And it's like I like to do it in stages. The problem right. is, is I, get in, I get impatient and other people are ahead of me. And so it's like I'm like, I'm going to make caramel tiger jags. I'm going to do it this way. And then I'm like. I'm like, I keep seeing way better caramel tigers out there. I'm like, this is bad. It's like, you know, it's right. It'll jump on that. But then there are other things that like I have downstairs right now, a caramel het exanic bred to a het exanic. So I could get um, caramel exanics this year. Right. Which would be pretty badass. Right. Yeah. That's something I was shooting for for a while. I'm going to keep all of them. Why? Because I have a horrible, horrible addiction that I can chuck up there there with my addiction to tattoos and various other things. So <laughs> I'm, if I get them, they're mine. And then maybe I'll let them go. But it's like that's that's one project done. And now I want to start building towards caramel exanic tigers or caramel exanic jags and all this other stuff. And the caramel exanics that I do produce will help me because now I've got them and I can use them to make the other ones. So Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, like, you know, when I started to look at, get into morphs, it was mm-hmm. Paul Harris, UK Pythons, you know? I mean, yeah. like, every year it was like, okay, I want to get this 
you know, can I, can I get this, add some more, add some more. Like every year it was sort of the plan. And I think where I fell, like where I made the mistake, and again, this is reptile ADD, um, you know, you get sidetracked and you're like, oh, well, I really dig this, this animal and I really like these. And, and mm-hmm. I, well, yeah, I can put, I can add these into the collection. And then you sort of like, you're like, you have this project and you sort of like, you kind of like lose a little focus and, you know, you're kind of like, oh yeah, I really like them, but man, these, these things are really cool at the moment. And like, you know, that's something that I was struggling with and so I probably will for, for the rest of my life. I think music is what screwed me up with that because like I would listen to one band for like a month solid and that's all that I would listen to. And then it's like, all right, well, I'm tired of that. So move on to the next, uh, you know, thing. <laughs> Um, but think about how many times, uh, same thing like you were talking about with white lip pythons. Like I, I started with scrubs way back in the day. If I would have just stayed mm-hmm. that course, you know, who knows, maybe I would be producing scrub pythons at that point, but you know, yeah. I got impatient, yeah. and, you know, moved them and, you know, here I am again, starting with a pair. And it's like, so scrub pythons for me, like I started to be like, I started to have that tingling in my head. Oh, I got to get a, bar, a pair of barnacks. Oh, I got to get a pair of tannabars. Oh, I got to get a pair of halma hairs. Oh. And I'm like, this show has not helped us at all. Like, I no. mean, dear God. <laughs> no, it's so hard, man. So Every horrible. week you're talking to somebody new and they have like super excited about this, you know? Um, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, nah, man, I got to stay focused. So for me, like, you know, for me with scrub pythons, it's like, you know what? I'm, I got a pair of Marukis mm-hmm. and I'm going to raise them up and I'm going to try to breed them. If I'm successful with them, I'm sure at some point I know people that have scrub pythons and they're breeding them and whatnot that I'll be able to get another pair. If so, if so, I choose down the line. Cause I know right. that they're in the States, you know, sometimes yeah. where I, where I'll pull the trigger and I'll get sort of, you know, like I got to get it now is like, you know, IJs right now are a perfect example. Like whenever the opportunity arises to get some wild caught or captive hatched, you know, new blood, I'm, I'm jumping on it. Jump and it's on, not like yeah. that's breaking the bank. They're like, you know, what, a couple, maybe 150 bucks a piece, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier to swallow that pill than like, you know, a hypo tiger, you know, but oh. if, if you're See, wanting to get into that project, you know, uh, hurts me. Yeah. Now's your opportunity, man. Hit Paul up and, you know, and no, he's no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I was yelled at know? numerous times for how many snakes I've purchased so far. No, this not year you. And, oh, other people. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got lost in the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Other people. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that's, I guess in a nutshell, it's just, you know, try to stay focused on what you're doing. And, and I think if you're doing something that you love, you know, then you'll, you'll, you should be successful, but you know, I've, I've sort of, uh, this is going to be something else to think about. Like, where are you at in your life right now? So, for instance, if you're like, I mean, look, I lost a whole yeah. season because I sat yeah. out of season because I moved. You know, it's like now I'm here. I'm probably going to be here for about 30 years. <laughs> you, you know no. what I mean? I know you're telling Dory, I'm going to die here. <laughs> it's like, <okay>. yeah. <laughs> at least 
at least another 10, you know, right. Uh, you know, I would imagine that I would be here for at least five or 10 more years, which, you know, from in snake years, that's sort of a long time, but we've been I'd doing hate to, be the What's like that? what 19th anniversary of MPR. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. I'm still here at the compound. Oh like, God. <laughs> oh man. Oh God. Um, no, but it's, well, and that you're we right. would definitely be like the old men from the Muppets that sit up in the balcony oh, yeah, just at that there point. And yell at people. <laughs> I mean, you have no idea how badly I want that. Like, I want yeah. to be able to just start yelling at people and for people not to just think I'm an asshole. I'm just an old guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't wait. Then you get a pass. You, you get a pass. Yeah, you I know. I'm a, you, you're telling me I can yell at people in my front lawn and I can go to bed at like 8 o'clock? Where, where do yeah. I sign? Yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> now that I'm at the oldest 32 year old you met, um, the uh, the I, I mean the, the, you're exactly correct. Where those are the things. Like right now, I have entered a ton of new projects into my repertoire, and right. I really and I want the challenge. But you know, sometimes I sit back and I think I've been able to breed coastal carpet pythons, bread lies, and jungles. That's about it. Like, you know, a bunch of colubrids here and there, but, you know, I, I, I've gotten dud eggs from Romas, dud eggs from Maclots, but it's like I haven't really kind of ventured off into the other stuff. So eventually I'm going to have to start knuckling down and start, and get, start ticking these projects off, or what the hell am I doing here? So, right. Yeah. You know, and um, another thing to think about is, uh, and we sort of hit on this, or a little bit earlier, but, um, mm. you know, you should think about what you're breeding for the breeding. Like, you know, I know I do this. I know you do this. I know Matt does right. this. Um, and everybody does it differently. Um, I know Matt, he uses Apple notes. I use Evernote. I don't know what you use. You might use a I throw jello at the wall. It's like, it's actually like <laughs> yeah. a dartboard. You right. know, I have the male's name written down. I throw it and I'm like, and that's your female for the year. So, <laughs> Uh, well, that was the next thing I was going to say. Okay. Like, don't right. just throw one animal with another oh. animal. Well, it's so oh, big. damn it. Oh, no. Um, no, <laughs> it, you have a plan. You look at, you look at first off, where you're going with your projects. Then you also look at what the hell you had last year. Wh- right. Who's still here from last year? And then maybe right. you're going to wind down on certain other projects. I mean, also, there's the... Maybe you do a clutch because you know it'll sell well, or maybe you do a clutch because you know you can sell them for a cheaper price than some of the other stuff. So people who might just want to be into carpet pythons for pets, you now offer them. You can now offer this. You can talk about this. Or also look at your own stuff because, say, one of your males is getting a little long in the tooth, and you should maybe try to get something new. You know, it maybe he's old. Maybe he just hasn't been breeding well this couple of years. Maybe you got to start making stuff to replace him or her. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you sort of, you sort of want to be able to say, okay, I, especially I think with Morelia, again, you sort of want to like kind of have a, a plan, an idea right. of what you right. want to do and what you want to produce. And, you know, you wouldn't go and just throw some, you know, bread lie with some, uh, coastal diamond cross you know Ow. and and pe- people may think like uh you know oh i'm gonna produce i'm gonna produce something like um scream uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> but how big was that clutch 
and how many scream animals look good. Because, like, if you maybe get three out of, like, 20, you know, think about that. For every really good animal, it has an ugly sibling. <laughs> so, you know, you have sure. to deal with that. Um, right. And, you know, also think about how many animals can you handle in a year? Well, yeah, that was the next thing. You breed what you can take care of, you know? I mean, yeah. that was something that really kind of, I've talked about it multiple times on the show. It's like Owen was saying at the beginning, is like I have a lot of babies from last year. And mm-hmm. it's not because of lack of wanting to sell them or inquiries or anything like that. It's just that, you know, I tend to hold on to stuff for a little lot longer than most. And with that, I know where my limitations are. And trust me when I tell you, like, uh, you know, I, I'm going to get to the point where I could probably produce what? What would you say? 60 carpet python clutches a year? If, e- if, you easy. know what I mean? Easy. Yeah. I yeah. will never do that, you know, but I could do that. And I'm not going to sit here and lie that it's like, well, it's not tempting to say, well, I'm going to put these together. But I know where my limit is. And I remember everybody telling me, I remember you saying it, Matt, and Rob, and you know, all these people are like, good Lord, man. You know, it's awesome that you're producing all these clutches, but you are going to be busy, busy, busy. And yeah, you guys were right. And I'm thinking the whole time, like, nah, I mean, what's it? No, well, ah, come on. You know, I've raised babies before. <laughs> it's, like, you know, yeah. it's not 120. <laughs> exactly. And that's the difference. But, you know, I, interesting. We know how you sell things and you know how you deal with things. And you know yeah. that as well. So, yeah. Maybe if you get two clutches this year of, let's say, anywhere between 10 and 20, let's say you get 12 and then like 10 out of the animals that you're looking at now. First off, right. they're not they're not animals that went for you last year. So that's a plus already in the right. bucket. You're not like, it's right. not like you're repeating the pairing. Number nope. two, it, it's, it adds on and it doesn't add on too much. And you still have animals from this year that you can sell. And yeah. now the only thing that might end up happening is you might get a ton of inquiries and burn through your stuff and you might be like, shit, but that probably won't happen until around this time next year when you're like, okay, yeah, I, I'm really hoping to have a good year because I kind of burned through my back stock and my new stuff pretty quick, but right. I don't think that would happen to you. So, you know, and also you are coming off the heels of probably one of your most successful years to date. So yeah, there's that too. Right. Yeah. Uh, You know, you have to think about, and this is the thing that, you know, again, not taking into consideration, like food, Mm -hmm. it's expensive to feed a hundred plus babies, babies, you know, every week or every two weeks or whatever. And Um, you have to take into account how long you're going to have them for. Cause like, if they don't sell fast, you have to take them up the ladder from like fuzzies to hoppers to eventually you get the small mice then you have to get the rats. I mean, it, in my opinion, if I have an animal for sale and it's here past the point of uh, it gets onto rats, something's I gotta get I gotta get this thing out of here because now it's starting to really cost me money to maintain, grow, and keep. So, right. if there's like three or four left over from a, like a, a year or so past and they're on like I don't know rat weanlings, I'm not really gonna sweat it too much. But, you know, back further, when I first started, I used to feed everybody and try to get them onto rats as soon as possible because I tried to thought it, thought it was kind of like a marketing thing where it's like my things are going to get bigger and they're going to be more they're going to be more robust. And I always had the bigger hatchlings than like Balin and those guys because I fed the hell out of them. 
But mm-hmm. if I didn't sell them in their first year, they were on like small, medium rats by the time I was trying to sell them the next year. And that's, yeah, you're wasting money there. So it's like sure. I've cooled it down with the feedings. And like I said, if, if I have an animal and it's getting onto rats, I will usually try to find some place for it to go. Either I got to cut prices or I got to start actively trying to shop it a little bit faster because I don't want to feed this thing because it is for sale. I'll put all this food into an animal that somebody else will take. So, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, sometimes my approach is I've done this a couple times is that, mm-hmm. you know, I may wholesale stuff, you know, yeah, and I know I've some people will say, Oh, why are you? but it's just like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to waste my time with, you know, trying to sell this, entry level animal you know I, I don't even know if that's the right word it probably sounds bad when i say it but well, no um, think about it this way you're trying to sell a single animal that has not gone for the price that the market has set it for so maybe it's you know it's not as pretty as some of its siblings and stuff like that and you know it's or a lot of the times where i fall into the problem is i sell it and then whoever i sold it to gives it back like a year or so down the road. And now I have a yearling or a two year old that I wasn't ready for that is now eating medium to large rats. And it's like, crap, you know, it's, it is what it is. It happens that way. So sometimes you either wholesale it or you make the deal where you cut the price down and it goes, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta understand is that, you know, obviously maybe even if you're not in it to make money and you want to do it, as just a hobby thing. The longer the animals here, the more money you have to put into it, the more of an expense it is going to cost you. And even if you're just taking the money from the sale of that animal and putting it back into like food, you want it to go as soon as you can. This way you can, you don't have to pour money down it. So that should always be something else you think about too. How long is it going to take or how much money do I have to put into each animal to get it to sell? And how does the price reflect that? Yeah, I think the the one rule that a lot of people, especially if you do this for a hobby, mm. that uh, people often overlook is you don't have to breed every year. No, you don't. <laughs> or you can skip. You, have to breed you can skip a year. every year. Yeah, you know, you can, we were talking. You can skip. We're, you can also retire animals for like. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking earlier this episode about Trinity, and it's like. I'm like, I'm going to sit her out because I have her kids and her grandkids that are all starting to breed and I don't want to keep making the same shit. And that's, unfortunately, she doesn't bring that much to the table as far as genetics. So I can't really make a new project with her. So yeah, no, she's done. She's going to chill. That's fine. Maybe in a few years that changes. Maybe like two years down the road, I'm like, you know what? I need a really solid coastal female that has no relation to this, that, the other thing. And, you know, you use her, but. Well, that's, uh, that's another thing too, is like, um, especially if you're going to breed, you should know the different bloodlines and, and such and what's related to what, um, because if possible, you should try to outcross at some point, um, kind of important, you know, um, as much as you can, um, you know, especially in recessives. Yeah. It makes it very difficult for us in a position where, we're working with animals that we have a limited gene pool, but there are mm-hmm. ways that you can get around that. There are different bloodlines. For instance, like if you're breeding coastals and you want to like outcross something, get one of the locality types of animals, 
You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you could take a Rockhampton animal, Port Douglas animal, um, and you could just sort of like, you know, outcross it to that. And there you go. You know, I, if you That's look, what I'm gonna at, do. you look at Paul's site, um, you'll mm-hmm. see that he's done that. You look at some of uh, Nick's lineages and stuff that he has on his website, you'll see the same thing, you know. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I know we've talked about, uh, you know, sort of once you breed that out, you sort of lost that locality, which is true. And I wouldn't be, if I had the, if I was given some type of locality animal, my first pairing would not be to outcross it to some other, you know, no. coastal carpet project. I would try to establish some babies um, well, so that that wasn't lost, that bloodline wasn't lost. And then I would use it to outcross. So you get a pair of Port Douglas, you get a pair of Port Douglas, and while the male Port Douglas is breeding with the female Port Douglas, you throw them in with something else to outcross. Like, you can do that. Sure. That's why we're saying, like, you know, you should, if you have locality, you should consider doing both. Outcrossing as well as continue the the locality line separate. You can totally do that. There's, it's not going to kill you. So, um but then the other thing is you'd also kind of think about when you're setting up a breeding project is how long are the animals going to live? You know, because <laughs> you have to deal with that, you know, these, and you know, and also how long are they capable of breeding? Let's say like carpet pythons, you know, they can live to be what? Twenties. Yeah. They're 20, yeah. 20. And I, 20, 30 years, obviously after a certain point, their fertility drops off. Um, where it's like they maybe shoot out like two fertile eggs or something like that. I'm trying to think about um, Paul's Brisbane's or whatever. Weren't they like 22 years old? Yeah, that project was sort of old and, you know, it's trying to reestablish it. Yeah, it was it was difficult, yeah. but it, it did get reestablished because somebody was focused. Paul was focused on doing that. Yeah. But you got to think about that. So, like, can you house these animals for 20-something years? Also, that might run into a problem of, as you're breeding, now you have these adult animals that could be your retired breeders that are now taking up cages of animals that are coming up and could be your current breeders. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately with morphs and stuff, what happens a lot of times is that, you know, you'll have a het animal. Mm-hmm. And then you replace it with a visual. So what do you do with yeah. that het animal that you know is maybe seven years old? You can so sell you it. You could sell it, but like you can it give it to somebody like, else who's kind of working, who's starting out with the project. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's, so there's you know, it, I, I, yeah. Um, you know, that's where going to Carpet Fest and stuff like that really kind of pays off for, you know, knowing mm-hmm. people within the hobby and getting them know on a personal level. They may be able to. I mean, I've given those type of snakes away all more so than I've sold them just because, yeah. I don't know, I just feel weird about selling adults. And it's just like, you know what, it's just going to be much easier just to give this to, you know, here you go. Someone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel weird about selling the ones that I've raised from hatchlings. <laughs> I'm like, can't. Yeah, it's, so, like, it's like you're just. It's gonna oh, sound weird, but it's like you're selling like I don't know. It's like you're selling. Oh, it's like a, selling the dog. It's like oh, ah, yeah, God. Like, it's, I'm I'm so sorry, man. I'm so sorry. No, I can't do it. It's like you know. It's 
it's going to be a big problem for me in the next couple of years. It's like I might have to set up a retiree room, but it's, <laughs> and that's something you got to deal with, and that's something you got to think about. And you know, you also need to consider the point of when do you phase out certain animals. I mean, you know, this animal should be able to breed from when it's uh, eighteen months for a male till mm-hmm. God knows when, and then three to four years old to let's say twenty years old. Right. It's a lot of clutches that you could potentially do. So maybe you don't have to breed it every year, but yeah. you have to kind of balance that stuff and you got to understand what's healthy for the animal. And like I said, you have to maintain these things for 20 something years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good and it God. Seems, that seems like a long time, but in reality in snake breeding time, that's really not that, that long. In here but with it seems like my, my oldest animals, I have uh, 2007, um, 2008. I have a few um, of those guys. And I think oh. the one white lip is in 05 or something like that. I have to look back. My oldest animal is um, an M Pen IJ. It is an 04, I think. Damn. Yeah. 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 So she's, she's pretty old. Um, it can but, be weird uh, is when I get there and like one of the like original rogue babies or like one of the ones that like I produced is like 20 something years old. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, that's a couple other uh, tips real quick. Um, mm-hmm. You know, cause we're coming towards the end here, but um, one, I would say um, if, if, well, the first one would be um, if you're going to breed morphs um, I would, and you're going to, and you, and you have the ability to do it. Always try to get a visual. I would say mm-hmm. get a visual male, um, mm-hmm. especially if it's a recessive project, because it makes it much easier. Um, like if, for instance, if you wanted to outcross granite, you could get a visual granite male, and you could get some, you know, uh, wild caught or captive hatched bloodlines, and you could outcross to a bunch of different ones, probably within yeah. a season. And oh, yeah. you could offer unrelated, well, somewhat unrelated, you know. Um, uh, Better than most siblings. related right. pet female. I mean, like, right. if I'm working a granite project and you took a granite and bred it to uh, a farm baby, like, you know, that's that's better than what else like the other people are offering. Like, that's awesome. Sure. Um, yeah. So that would be one. Um, think about the market, how you're going to sell them, like knowing your market, mm-hmm. knowing what's going on. Uh, you know, something that comes to mind, I hear a lot of people say all the time is retics. So where do all these retics go? You know what I mean? Like where do oh. it's like everybody's <laughs> producing all these retics and you sort of have to think about like, okay. Uh, you know, with scrub pythons, like David means is a perfect example of this. He's very responsible when it comes to selling an animal like a scrub python, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. he wants to talk to you on the phone, know that you sort of have the ability to take care of this animal, know what you're getting into, what an adult scrub python is going to be like, you know? Um, so it's not like he's going to just sell to anybody that walks up to his table and wants to buy a scrub python. Um, right. So there's that part of it. If you're going to deal with, you know, larger constrictors or stuff that people might consider dangerous uh, because 
you know, I'm, I'm not trying to poo poo on the retic market or big snakes or anything like that. But like, if you're just selling them to like, I think about Hamburg, man, every Hamburg mm, is that crocodiles those, and venomous. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They're just strolling out with the stack. Like, crocodiles got, and venomous. But I got, I got a but, Nile croc, a Gaboon yeah. Viper, Cobra, and this retic. Yeah. I got a, I got a stack of rattlesnakes. It's all right. Cause Owen's going to come to your apartment and pull them out of there anyway, when you're arrested anyway. So right. it's, but the problem is, is that, you know, you also need to consider things of like, potentially there are how many bearded dragons are in like reptile rescues and shit like that. I mean, sure. a lot of times there's that other part to consider and what should be handled. And, you know, Maybe you breed it and then maybe you take a while because you know you're going to set the price high so that you can kind of weed out all the people who aren't necessarily serious about the animal. And that might take a while to sell those babies. So you should know, all right, I'm not going to breed these animals for probably the next two years because I'm going to focus on this clutch. I'm going to take my time selling these. And that's fine. Just know that's what you're going into. Um and ultimately, you should take responsibility for any animal that's sold out of your place because they're your animals. It's your name. And with that, I would also say invest. If you are going to start a breeding project, invest in, you know, the animals caging uh, and then marketing yourself, you know, websites and things like that. Kind of make yourself look nice. Don't try to sell a ball python in a soda bottle, you know. <laughs> right. And uh, another tip. Probably my last tip I would say is, well, I got two. Have equipment mm. ready. Like, yes. if you're going to breed, you should have an incubator. <laughs> should uh, have an incubator ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just in case you or, don't want to drag it or, over to your friend's place. Right. Or know somebody that does. But yes. I would highly recommend that you have an incubator ready. No matter how yep. much you think paternal incubation is going to be successful for you, uh, you should definitely have an incubator ready to go. Um, emergency plan. You know, if something happens, be ready to back it up. Whether that be, um, I have a gas generator that if I lose power for more than 24 hours, I can plug and run the snake room with my gas generator. Um, it broke, but for a while there, I had a server backup battery that could Mm -hmm. run my incubator for 48 hours. Um, I got to fix it, but that's something else you might want to think about. Sure. And, um, the last thing I want to say is um, having extra males. Like a lot yes. of people focus on females, but no. <laughs> if you have this female that you raised up and you got this one male and you're like, you know, put all your eggs in that one basket. You stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Can't get the just, job done. Just doesn't Woo. do it. Oh. Right. You best believe my woman male is in the hot seat right now because, you know, this is the second year. If I don't get eggs, First year were duds. This year nothing. Oh, oh, that woman male is looking. Oh, he's mm. <laughs> his ass might be replaced so quickly. It's ridiculous. Um, but that's the best thing is that you know. And obviously, right now I'm sitting down. I'm I'm raising up the roughies, and I'm getting nervous because I only got two. And I'm like, you know, maybe investing in another pair, which is this is dangerous talk for Owen, especially you know. Because now it's the, I could have four rough scales is what you're telling me. And that's <laughs> right. the bad place to be. But that's the, that's the thing. You know, if we have a carpet male that doesn't breed, what do we do? 
we have another boy. We we have something that can go in there that can either like you know uh, we like right now I have an exanic jag, and then if he doesn't go, I have a het exanic male. Cool. Mm-hmm. So I don't get the jags, but you know what? It I still might get a good a decent clutch and a good thing and keep the project going. You right. know, and give that male another year. You know, and that's just the way it is. So. But if you only got one male, he's your one shot. That's it. Right. Yeah, for sure. And then you're in trouble. <laughs> yes. And you're doomed. <laughs> that sucks. <sighs> um. So yeah, and you know, have fun. You know, it's <laughs> something that you love to do. It doesn't have to be. You know, all. You know, have fun. You know, it's not like is if you're doing this for a hobby, especially if you're doing this for a hobby, man. You don't have to pay your mortgage with your, your snakes. And if you're going to do something, if you're going to try to do it full time, I would definitely recommend to grow into business, not to go into business, you know, just grow the collection into it. You know, each year add something else, new Cajun, new equipment, upgrade, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, It's, it's funny because, you know, I, I, looking back on redoing my snake room and investing in projects, do you have any idea how many animals have just been either given to me or, you know, sold to me very cheaply from friends and expanding from people I just know, or even then caging and rack systems that I've just kind of fallen into it. it if, if you have a very big um, base of like friends and a community to kind of rely on, you'd be shocked what'll get passed to you or, what'll come what you'll come across just by a friend saying, Hey man, I was thinking about getting rid of this, you know, right. and that's, it's right there. You're right there. So I would also say, um, if you are going to be serious about starting a breeding project, expand the network of people that, you know, work with that certain type of animal, not just for, you know, the personal gains of sometimes they're getting rid of their prized mail and you want to be first there in line, but also they'll have a lot, of insight and you can bounce ideas off each other. You can talk about this. They've maybe run into the same problem you have years ago and mm-hmm. they feel a little bit more comfortable talking about it one-on-one as opposed to on a Facebook page. So sure. I would say that too, you know, hundred percent. So, <clears throat> so hopefully that helps people out there that maybe we're thinking about getting into a breeding project, um, you know, and uh, you know, don't make the same mistakes that, we did and uh, (laughs) learn from those mistakes (laughs) by the animals figure it out later. Yeah, no, that's a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, all right. I don't know anything else that, uh, comes to mind for you or is that, uh, Uh, no, I'm good. I mean, like, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Obviously some people, this might've gone in one ear and out the other. And of course you and I are both notorious for the, um, ooh, something shiny, and then we buy it, and we're like, oh crap! Like we didn't take our advice at all. So um, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, you just go back on track, man. You know, I, I feel <laughs> like uh, right now at this point, I've I've learned a very valuable lesson over this past year um, about you know what I can keep and what I can't keep, and as much as I want to keep certain species, and 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 I just can't, you know. So right. I'm okay with it's okay to appreciate an animal the snakes you and have. not yeah. have it, you know, yep. and just 
work with what you got and try to, you know, when you're so busy trying to get the next thing, you sort of lose focus on the projects that you have. And really the biggest thing you can do is stick with your project. See it through. Yes. See it through. Don't quit. Don't quit on it. Just because you never know the next year might be the year you get the success. So just keep going. Yeah. Like, so for instance, like uh, my double head snow, and my, you know, like that goddamn, that, that goddamn project, you know, um, geez, I should have, at this point I should have produced nose, but oh, yeah. you know, yeah, because you the female wouldn't go and this and that. And finally I get a clutch out of her, but I only get a very small clutch and now I'm holding them all back. And it's like, you got to worry about hitting the odds as far as sexes go. Luckily I have, you know, 2.3, which is, you know, again, that's probably not the best, but when you're hitting those kind of odds, you know, to hit, you know, what is that? One in 32 chance of hitting uh, snow. Yeah, you might want to have yeah. a couple females and you do yeah, a couple girls. And like yeah. good, good Lord. If I spent, it's been, let's see, I got my Exanic, I think in 2011, maybe yeah. <laughs> 20, yeah. 2011. And here we yeah. are in 2019. And yeah. I produced the double heads finally. Now I have to raise the double heads up. So yeah. now I have to go through that process. You know, so that's going to be another three years. By the time your double head's old enough, we might actually be able to get you a cheap snow to breed it to. Yeah, probably. You know, but <laughs> probably. Exactly. And it's the same thing with exanic granites. It's the same thing, man. It's like, oh, you know, okay, God. I got these snakes. I'm holding on to them and I'm growing them up, you know, and it's you got to see the project three. So. See your projects. <sighs> yes. All righty. Next week, we have Mr. Bill Stiegel uh, from Phoenix Reptiles is going to be coming and talking royal pythons with. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to be talking. Uh, no, nah, we're just going to be talking with Bill about. Uh, See, don't don't, rough don't scale, make me get through that show. Oh, now Condros, you have me. Uh, lost me again. Uh, GTP Keeper Radio, you know, all that kind of stuff. Somewhat so, interesting. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. Cool. <laughs> so he'll be with us next week. And we haven't talked to Bill in a long time. Love that guy. So it should be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as us, uh, hopefully maybe by the end of maybe mid-April, I'll have NPR, the new website, ready to go. Um, it's just like chipping away at it. You know, slowly but surely. <laughs> so just be patient with that. But uh, if you want to get in contact with us about that, you can send us an email at info at moreliapythonradio.com. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram uh, if you want to see what's going on. Um, as far as myself as EB Morelia, you can see uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, website, ebmorelia.com. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> All right. Uh, for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Uh, we have the last couple babies from 18 are up there, and we're starting to get clutches, so uh, stay tuned for news and updates on the website for every clutch we get, detailing parents and stuff like that, and also if anybody's interested in them. Um, as far as Facebook, you can go to facebook.com, look up Rogue Reptiles. You can give us a like over there. Uh, you can also... Uh, follow me on my Instagram, which is my last name, McIntyre, M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E-O-J. 
Uh, you can follow the Instagram thread there, too. Um, as far as shows, I will be attending both the uh, Oaks show at the, in April as well as the Hamburg show. I'm not exactly when those two are, but I'll be attending. I won't be vending either one, uh, but I'll be there. So if you want an animal delivered, just let me know. And that's all we have for everybody tonight. So I'll say thank you all for listening. And I'm going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Moralia Python radio. Good night. <laughs>